continuing on in our study in James, James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to look at this um, passage as we talk about this morning how words are very, very powerful. The old allergy when I was a little kid was sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And I think that's one of the biggest lies um, because names do hurt. And words are powerful, and words do hurt. And uh, I want to talk about the weight this morning of what the Scripture says of words and how we as Christians ought to yield our words to the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. So James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath the seat in front of you. If you don't own one, please take it home. It's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers because, my well, because, why? That's not in the Scripture. I don't want to add anything, all right? My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Precious Father, just have a few minutes to unpack this, Lord, and there's so much you want to say to us. And so, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, you would take your word and you would use it as a sharp, powerful, double-edged sword and use it to divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and marrow. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let it be the source of truth in our life. Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, I read this and I'm humbled, Lord God. Because, Lord God, there's so many people here, Lord God, that 
are going to listen to your word, and I pray, Lord God, that your word would speak to them, and I would not get in the way with my words. And Lord God, as always, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Words are powerful, very powerful. And when you put words together, they have meaning. And this idea of words being powerful things, and so one word by itself might mean one thing, but when you put it with another word, it might have a totally different meaning. These are called oxymorons. And um, words like jumbo shrimp. (laughs) I never understood that one. Civil war. Like, what's so civil about war? You put those together, and all of a sudden, and it's, they don't even work together. Or pretty ugly. Yeah, I've been called that a few times. Um, perfect mismatch. Original copy. Bittersweet. Only choice. Alone in a crowd. Government intelligence. That's my favorite. <laughs> or big baby. You put things together and they change meaning. You add words to things and they become more powerful. And, and, and I, I want to share something with you. When we talk to middle school students and the way that they identify themselves by the words that have been communicated to them, not by the gospel or not by Christ. It's why when we were at camp this week, I actually came back. I had the opportunity to go for a few days They talked about the throne. Who's on the throne of your life? Because if Christ is on the throne of your life, then he's the one that identifies you. And that's who you should identify with. Because many of the kids were identifying themselves or viewing themselves based upon what others said about them. And words can be powerful. And they can be cruel. I remember in middle school when I was much fatter... And I hadn't hit my growth spurt in seventh grade, you know, and I was walking around and I was really portly and they called me Andrew Bloats. My last name's Oates, by the way. I still remember that. And, it, and, and, and I got in the weight room in high school and I'm like, that's not going to be true of me anymore. But it, it, those words hung. And maybe there's things that people have said to you or things that people have, have, have used words to control you or to upset you or to anger you or to labor you label you and i'm sharing this today for us we as christians ought to speak words of truth and life and we that have heard these words we ought to be like jesus and say father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing Or they don't know what they're saying. Words are powerful. And so I just want to take a couple of moments and I just want to go through this. And James starts off in in chapter 3 by saying not many of you should become teachers. Why is that? My brothers, for you know that we that teach should be judged with greater strictness. Because here's the deal. As we teach the word of God, as I teach the word of God, as Pastor Sean teaches the word of God, then everything that I say to you and communicate to you will come under scrutiny. Is he really living what he says? Because if we don't live what we say, we're labeled what? Hypocrites. 
and teachers so much more so. This is this, and here's the deal. I have a really hard time with this because I'm not the best driver. So I don't have any coastal stickers on my car. People are like, I don't have coastal stickers on your car because I'm not a good driver. Just not. I try. My daughter reminds me every morning, Dad, God is really working on your patience because on the way here, I hit every single light. I was like, But when you become a teacher, you're under greater scrutiny and, and greater strictness because of the words that we speak. He says that it is the perfect man, and obviously none of us are perfect and we all need the gospel. I need the gospel every day because I communicate to you the truth of God's word, but yet then you watch my life and my prayer is that my life and my words would align, but there's sometimes that they don't. And so therefore, every day I need the gospel of Jesus Christ, of how he forgives me. And he, as we saw in the video, the repentance that comes. We repent of our sin and we ask Christ to forgive us once again so that we can walk in right relationship. It's what we're going to do here in a moment where we're going to take communion here. And as we take communion together, what, one of the things that we do is we ask God to forgive us of our sins so that we would be in right relationship with him, Christian. So there would be nothing that would be standing in the way of our relationship with God. But we need the gospel every day. And so in keeping with this idea of that words are powerful and that teachers are going to be judged more severely, he, he, he starts off into this idea of the tongue. If you're taking notes, there's three things that I want you to see today of the power of words. And the first one is this. Number one, what we say is really who we are. What we say is really who we are. Write Matthew chapter 15 verse 18 next to this. What we say is really who we are, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. One of the things that we, first we, we look at it, then we think it, then we say it, then we do it. So be careful what you look at, be careful what you think, because it's eventually going to come out of your mouth. And then you're going to be partaking of it. Have you ever met someone that just talked about something all the time? That's really who they are. That's really the most important thing in their life. And James says here, if we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a little very small rudder. The pilot directs. Your tongue will determine where you're going to go. What you say reveals who you are. No, 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 no. It's just words. It's just words. No. It's, it's, the, it's what pulls back the facade and it really reveals what's going on inside. It's what the scripture says. And not only that, but it controls you. Second thing is this. We must control our tongue. What we say is powerful. We must control our tongue. 
Words like, I hate you, should never come out of our mouth. Words like, you're useless. Words like, leave me alone, I never want to see you again. Words are powerful. But just as powerful as those negative words can be in our life. So the the power of, I love you, can change someone. Words like, I see you and I value everything that you've brought. Words like, you matter. And I am so glad you're in my life. Or you're my friend. Thank you. Words. And so, therefore, we have to control our tongues to use the words that God wants us to use. But the only way we can do that is by speaking true words. And how do we speak true words? What is James saying here? James is saying, hey, listen, what you say is really who you are. And if what you're saying is really who you are, then who are you? And as Christians, who is on the throne of our life or who is at the center of our life? Are we Christocentric? Are we egocentric? Or is it Christ? Meaning this, the words that we should speak that bring life are from the word of God. This is the words of eternal life. And so when we're sharing things with people, as we're talking with people, we ought to use the words of eternal life. We have to use the words of Christ. I love you because Christ loves you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Meaning this, that if we really want to speak value into people, if we really want to live out what we say we believe with the words that we speak, then we ought to memorize God's word. Because the words are powerful. And for us to control our tongue, we've got to fill our mind and our heart with God's word. How much time do you spend every day memorizing God's word? One of the things that I do is I drive my kids to school during the school year. It's my my one time that I make sure I'm connected with each of my kids. And as I'm driving to school, one of the things that we do is we have a verse that we're memorizing for the week. Now, they memorize it a lot faster than I do. But we've gotten through whole chapters as we memorize God's word. And every time the scripture verse comes up that they've memorized, they go, I know that verse. I was like, yes, you do, but are you living it okay? Because here's the deal, when the word of God comes into our life, we're more apt to speak life to people and truth to people as we memorize God's words. Remember James, in James chapter 1, he's talked about being slow to speak and quick to listen. <laughs> Remember? Why? And, and, and when we're slow to speak and quick to listen, and it's not just what we say Now, we have to be careful of what we type with these little thumbs. When people think that they can say words or type words or say words on social media that have no impact, they do. One of the things that that hurt me so deeply was 
after, now, and here's the deal. I, there's a lot of things about Chrissy, Te- Chrissy Teigen that I'm not fans of, things that she says and does. But after she lost her baby, the vitriol that came out on social media about her because they didn't like her, because they didn't agree with her, after a huge loss, it's awful. Awful. Christian, we ought to be the most loving people. If somebody's had an abortion, we don't celebrate in their face that Roe v. Wade is done because they're still carrying the weight of that. Christian, we look at them and we put our arms around them and we say, we love you. Christ can heal and he can forgive and he can help us. We have to use words of life. And the words of life are found in his word. Those are the words of eternal life, and they're powerful. James, I mean, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says this. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Be careful, Christian. James chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. There's James saying it again. And the third thing is this. As we look at words are powerful, we must stop our destructive talk. What we say is what we value. Man, he's, he's talking about how a tongue... It's like a fire setting in a course of life set on fire by hell. For every, every, everything can be tamed, but, but no one can tame the tongue. It's full of deadly poison. We have to stop the destructive talk. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people that are made in the likeness of God. Just the fact that they were made in the image of God is enough for us to be able to speak kindly to them even if we disagree with them politically, even if we disagree with them in any other, in all of it. Their lifestyle, what they say, what they do. We ought to be the most loving people. You know what I find fascinating? That the worst of the worst sinners wanted to be around Jesus. And they wanted to be around Jesus. But yet I meet so many people as I'm talking to them about Christ that they don't want to set foot in the church because every time they do, what they hear is they don't like me, they don't love me, they don't want me because that's what they tell me. And that's to our shame, Christians. We ought to look at them and we ought to love them so that they could come to know our Jesus and the sinners, the worst and the worst. In fact, the Pharisees would say things like, man, he just hangs around sinners all the time. They just want to be around him. Remember Peter in John 6? You, where are we going to go, Jesus? And Jesus is like, are you going to leave too? Because he gave it to him very real in John 6. And Peter says, where are, you, where are we going to go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. translated this, if we're his followers, we ought to be speaking the words of eternal life to every person we come in contact with. Because 
what we say is what we really value. Whatever you talk about, if you, t- my, I talk to people all the time and they are soundbite people. Basically what they read on social media, the news that they watch, the, the websites that they go to, all they do is just regurgitate what they hear and really what they value. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may be give grace to those who hear. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. James at the end of this, this section basically says, you can't be a stream that spews forth salty water and clean water. And so if we're going to be slow to speak, what we need to do is, and, and let me sh- share this, we don't want to, it's not about silence, it's about being careful in what we say. I think some people are like, well, I'm just not going to say anything. No, eventually you are going to. Jesus was careful with his words, loving with his words. Jesus was so careful with his words. You know, Jesus gave seven phrases from the cross, and the words that he said from the cross we, we, we hear and we listen and we realize the life that he was giving as he was dying with his words. When he was looking out and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Into my hands I commend my spirit. The seven phrases Jesus uttered from the cross were not of hate, vitriol, revenge. He wasn't crying out for, for anger. He didn't put anybody down. He was thinking of his mother and one of his expressions. No, when Jesus was on the cross, that's the example of the words of life, even in our hardest moments. And when people say things, well, that's just me. You're gonna just have to learn with it, live with it. No, what that communicates is that you might not be saved because the God that I serve is working to conform me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and that means he's got to get control of this tongue. And if you just say, well, that's just the way I talk. No, here's here's the piece. As the worship team is going to come out, we're going to get ready to go and, and, and take communion. The piece is, as we look at Jesus, Jesus spoke words of life and we follow his example. Have you ever said something and then you're like, man, I wish I could have just grabbed that and stick that right back in my mouth. There was a, a, a friend of mine, he went on a mission trip, but not a mission trip, he went on a, a tour to Israel and he had a, a bunch of tourists in a bus and there was a bombing, a bus bombing. And the, the, the bus exploded and, and there were all these wounded people and they, they put out across the radio a need for blood and they said, we need blood. And, and the tour guide who's, who's a friend, basically he goes, hey, listen, we could go see this or we could go to the hospital because they're asking for people to, to give blood. Who wants to give blood? Everyone on the bus said, we'll give blood. And so they didn't go see the site in that day and they went to the hospital. And so the tour bus and they all went in and they all gave blood. 
And there was a doctor on the other side that saw this tour bus and the people, and he's screaming at them, get out, get out, get out. And he's saying all this vitriol against them, but he didn't know what they had done. He thought they were just coming to see the carnage from the hospital of, of the bomb, that this was another sightseeing thing. And he, he's cursing them, and he's yelling at them. And then finally, one of the, the nurses grabs him and says, do you know what they did? He pulls them aside. They gave their blood. They came to give their blood. He fell down and he started to weep. And, and, and the tour guide, my friend, comes up and he says, Man, I'm so sorry. We, we didn't mean to offend. We just wanted to help. And the guy from his knees weeping, this doctor, he said, you gave your blood. What more could you give? Jesus Christ not only gave us his words, but he gave us his blood as he died 2,000 years ago on the cross. What more could he give? Those are the words of eternal life. And when we celebrate communion, when we remember what Jesus did, we look back to what he did on the cross of how he shed his blood for us, and three days later he bodily rose from the dead. And we repent, we believe, and receive this gospel. We then now walk in newness of life. And we, particularly, we, have, we have baptism as the first thing that we do, but communion is that reminder of that. And, and before we partake of communion, we remember that if there's any sin in our life, we have to confess it. We have to repent of it and ask God to, to forgive us and to push that sin far out and hate that sin as much as God hates it. And how do we know God hates sin? Because look what he did to his son on the cross because of our sin. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And, and, and we look forward to the fact that Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you. And, and we're going to have eternity together. So we look forward to the fact that Jesus is going to return. And so that's why we celebrate communion. We have two stations here. We have three stations in the back. We're going to partake of communion together. If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, we would ask that you would just stay seated. But if you're not a believer and you're going to stay seated, let me ask you a question. Today could be the day of salvation, and this could be the first communion that you would, could take with us to say, Jesus, you gave me your blood. What more could you give? You gave us your life, and now I receive your life into my life. I repent of my sins. I invite you into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and I ask that I would follow you all the days of my life. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. We repent, believe, and receive this message. And if you've never done that, today could be the first day, and you could partake of communion with us because Jesus just doesn't hang out on the outside. No, Jesus actually comes into our life, and that's what we celebrate and remember what Jesus did on the cross. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going we're gonna to sing. And as we're singing, when you're ready, you come up. Ask God to forgive you to be in that right relationship. You come up and you partake of communion when you're ready. Are we ready? Come on, come on up. Start playing, whatever you do. And you partake of communion as you're ready. You pray. You say, God, 
thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for spilling your blood. Thank you for the words of eternal life. And we know you, we love you, and we follow you and remember what you did on the cross. And God, we celebrate you. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood spilled for you. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember what you did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We remember what you did. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. As we sing, when you're ready, there's three stations in the back, two up front, gluten-free to my left, your right. You come up and partake of communion, remembering what Jesus did on the cross, that these are the words of eternal life that were spoken to you today. Let's thank Jesus for what he's done.